0: Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we are able to rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, we are able to celebrate. Lord, it's not the same as if we are together, but we pray, Lord, that, that you might still be working in our hearts and building up in us that joy and that rejoicing and that security that we have in Christ, even if the world would be falling apart around us we have a sure and steadfast hope an anchor for the soul that is secured in Jesus Christ Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight my rock and our redeemer Amen So have you ever seen a sunrise? Uh, It's a it happens every day. But have you ever had that opportunity where you have specifically got up early and gone maybe to a lookout or somewhere where you can look at the sunrise? It's uh, I, I've done that before, uh, many, many years ago. Uh, and it's, it's a special time. It's an interesting set of feelings and an interesting experience to go through. You get up in the freezing cold darkness of morning And you stand in anticipation in the middle of the black night, waiting, probably shivering, and hoping that the sun will rise soon. But it seems to be colder. The night seems to get blacker. And that thought has crossed my mind, will tonight be the night that the sun doesn't rise? And that wait becomes interminably long. But then, there's that glimmer of light on the horizon, there's those, those first brightness that starts to appear, and the anticipation starts to build, and, and that brightness grows, and just there, the sun peaks over the horizon, and the light grows, and before you know it, there's dazzling brightness, and it hurts to look as the light emerges from the darkness the air starts to warm, the shivers fade away, and that beauty of the new day emerges with singing birds and chirping insects, and the landscape is lit in the newness of the day. This experience of of darkness to dawn, which is common to most of us probably, is something that reminds me of the experience of human history, the the story of human history we we it reminds me of the three ages of human history you might say and it's those three ages of human history that, that's good for us to reflect on this morning as we consider Christ and his death and his resurrection so the first age of human history was the age of no hope where we were plunged into darkness you see Adam and Eve knew true despair. They, because they had it all. They lived in the presence of God. They had a beautiful life. They knew innocence. They knew what it was to be completely pure. But it was all washed away by their own stupid choices. Their own selfishness and independence lost them paradise. Plunging them into the darkness of night. God pronounced those awful words By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread Till you return to the ground For out of it you were taken For you are dust And to dust you shall return God cursed mankind to hard labor All the days of their life Before unceremoniously returning us to the ground And God exiled God exiled mankind from the garden. The Lord God sent us out from the garden to work the ground from which we were taken. He drove out the man and, by extension, all of humanity. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard access to the tree of life. We couldn't go back in and partake of life. We had been exiled from God's presence exiled from life itself and this began the story of humankind barred from access to the tree of life, cursed to hard and hopeless lives, our lives that would come and go like dandelions the Psalm 103 says, as for man his days are like grass he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more And this was the new normal for humanity. Fleeting lives full of toil and pain and despair. The best that anyone could hope for was that their life might be a little bit better than somebody else's. That they may experience some joy and some blessing before the inevitable death that waited them. God tells us, The soul that sins shall die. All humankind since the first sin of Adam and Eve have inherited our sinful nature. Like all of us from beginning to end have been infected. It's it's like a genetic disorder that is passed from one generation to the next. So each of us sprouts up stained by sin and we die. So, why bother? Why care? There's an inevitable end for all of us. In, In fact, the The writer, the teacher of Ecclesiastes He reflects on this kind of this vanity of life And in one place he says The only real benefit to life is that you're not dead yet He says The hearts of the children of man are full of evil And madness is in their hearts while they live And after they go, to the dead But he who is joined with all the living has hope For a living dog is better than a dead lion for the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten the only benefit to being alive is that you know you're not dead so as far as anybody knew that was it live a good life enjoy yourself as much as you can and avoid God's wrath then see you later and this is how many people today approach life They, they say, live, live a good, as good a life as you can Enjoy it while it lasts Try not to get into too much trouble And then die All over Red Rover But what more can they really hope for? What more can we hope for? We are sinners And the soul that sins shall die and our race has been exiled from God's presence because of our rebellion. We don't have access to the tree of life. All we have to look forward to is a return to the ground and the corruption of our bodies. So, unsurprisingly, this asks us, this, this leads us to ask a simple question. Is there another way? is there something more to hope for is there a way that the that god's punishment can be undone that the curse can be undone is there a way that the tree of life can be opened to us again so that we may eat and have life is there a way that we can once again enter into the presence of god well maybe maybe here's an idea what if we what if we we knuckle down we pull up our socks and we try really hard we try really hard to outweigh our bad with our good. You know, if, if I feed enough homeless people, if I open enough doors for old ladies, if I turn up to church enough times, maybe that will be enough, right? Wrong. Same outcome. All die. Some people have longer lives, some people have shorter lives, but all of us die. So how... Can this be undone? How can this state of humanity be reversed? And the ancient people of God in in Israel, they they wondered about this. They had received many blessings from God, but they wondered, is there something more? How can we go beyond this life? God is the God of the living, so why does he let us die? In Psalm 89, the, the writer says, he says, How long, O Lord? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol that is the grave? They wondered. They wondered if there was a way. They they hoped. And God would be their hope. Throughout the second age of humanity, in that time of the, the people of Israel living in the land, God gave them glimmers of hope, coming light. These, these people looked ahead to God for rescue. They knew that if anything was to be done to reverse the human condition, God would have to do it. They didn't know how. They didn't know when, but they knew that He could do it. some light started to show on the horizon as they as they saw glimmers of a death-free life. there was a fellow whose name was Enoch and another were named Elijah neither of whom died. God took them away from the earth where to? we don't know presumably to live with God and God gave people a taste of resurrection with the occasional miracle where somebody came back to life temporarily. God showed his people his power we we could see that God was powerful we could see that God loved his people he rescued them from slavery he gave them a beautiful inheritance he acted to protect them in the midst of their of their of their enemies God even tried to live with them like he had done in the garden of eden but their sin kept getting in the road of their return to that beautiful bliss and they kept dying and half the time they died as a direct result of their sin. Like Nadab and Abihu, who we were, were reminded of on, on Friday. They kept dying. But, but maybe there's more. Maybe there's a way past these roadblocks to life. And, and the psalm writers, they hoped for the undoing of death, knowing that the that the one who hopes and trusts in God somehow some way might have a life that is extended beyond this this ordinary life. and we saw that in the psalm that we we we, we were reading we saw in in sixteen verses eight to ten, "I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken." Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, the grave. Nor let your Holy One see corruption. Nor let your Holy One see the pit. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, as David wrote this psalm, he was looking forward to something that he could not quite grasp yet. He looked forward in hope and trust. He knew that God could deliver him from death. And, and Job did the same, that ancient sufferer. Job, he, he, he knew that death, he hoped that death would not be the end for him. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him, not another. My heart faints within me. He hoped beyond hope that he would be able to use his own eyes to look upon God after he was redeemed from death by his Redeemer. And God... Responded to these hopes of the psalmist, the hope of Job, the hope of all those who lived in despair, knowing that they were destined for death. God responded to them, to his Old Testament people. He told them, look, I'm going to deal with death. He gave messages to his prophets, like he gave a message through the prophet Isaiah. God will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people's. The veil that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people will be taken away from the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God, and we have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him and let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You see, the prophet Isaiah delivered this, this prophecy, something that these people could look forward to, that one day God would be revealed and death would be taken away. The veil would be removed. The reproach that is over all people. And God delivered another promise through Hosea. He said, I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol. I shall redeem them from death. O oh, death. Where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? God promised to deal with death. There was hope. There was light on the horizon that God would overthrow death. But if you remember, the soul that sins shall die. The cause of death was sin. He he, he had given... This promise to deal with death, but in order to deal with death, God needed to deal with sin. And we saw on Friday how God would deal with that, with atonement. He needed to deal with sin fully and finally. And God promised that through the prophet Jeremiah. He he said, No longer shall each person teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. No longer will everybody need to be encouraged and taught to seek after God and to find Him. Because everybody will know God. Everybody will see Him. No one will be separated from Him. Sin will be no more. These promises looked forward to, to God dealing with sin, dealing with death. And as you can see, we've been hopping all over the Old Testament to see this story unfold. It took a long time. Centuries and millennia with these little snippets, these little pockets that maybe there is something more beyond this life that we have been cursed to have end abruptly. They trusted that somehow, some way, God would make things right. They didn't know how. It wasn't clear. But they knew that God would make a way. God is the God of the living. And they knew that God had been faithful to fulfill his promises in the past with rescuing them from Egypt, with delivering them from their enemies, with giving them the promised land, their inheritance. God had delivered on his promises before, so when he promised to deal with death and sin forever... They could hope and they could and they could have a secure and sure and steadfast hope that God would make things right. But they still experienced they still experienced the curse. They still experienced death. They lived their lives which came and went. They lived with their own sin, trying to deal with it. They had toiling and pain. They had despair, but there was still that hope on the horizon. But of course, God didn't leave his people hanging, and he introduced the third era of human history, the sunrise. Here is our sure and steadfast hope in Jesus Christ, Son of God. God sent Jesus into the world and he even sent John the Baptist ahead of him to announce the coming sunrise. If you don't believe me, go and look at the prophecy that his father Zechariah announced. Jesus is the coming sunrise, the beautiful rays of light which bring the new dawn of a new age. Jesus brought all the hopes and the promises of the Old Testament together. He he. He made it clear how these things, these puzzle pieces, would all fit together. He taught the people how he would undo the problems that separated them from God and how they would have the eternal life that they really longed for. Jesus, as a man, walked the streets of Palestine, teaching and instructing his people how eternal life was not a pipe dream. It could be secured. He said things like, this is the will of my Father That everyone who looks on the Son And believes in him Should have eternal life And I will raise him up on the last day and he, and he also said I am the resurrection And the life Whoever believes in me Though he die Yet he shall live And everyone who lives and believes in me Shall never die Jesus came proclaiming this message That there was a way out There was a way beyond death There was a way that even though death had been experienced, that it would not be permanent. That there would be eternal life. By trusting and believing in him, by taking hold of him, they could have eternal life. They could be like Job and in the end stand and look on God with their own eyes. But how would he do this? How does looking to Jesus, how does that fix things? How would that be different to looking to anybody else? Well, Jesus was the Redeemer that Job spoke about. The Redeemer who lives. Jesus was the One, the Holy One that Psalm 16 refers to. The Holy One who would not be abandoned to the grave. He was God Himself who came to undo the problems that separated us from God. He was the one who would reveal God to us because to see the Son is to see the Father. He was the one who came to ransom His people from the grave, to purchase His people for Himself. He was the one who came to take away our reproach, to remove the veil of death which covers us. He was the one who has God Himself come to save us and to take away the sting of death. He would not be abandoned to the grave so that we would not be abandoned to the grave. He was the one who would enable us to know God. He was the one who came to take away our sins and our iniquities. You see, Jesus himself had no sin. He was perfect. He he was not born in the usual way. He was born through a miraculous conception, meaning he was born a man, a real man, but free from the inheritance of sin. He was God incarnated into human flesh, able to live as a man and able to live faultlessly. He was the ideal man who was obedient to God and perfect in every way. He didn't need to die, but he did die. The soul that sins shall die, but Jesus never sinned. He didn't need to die, but he did die because he took the penalty for our sin. He took all of his our sin on himself and he paid our penalty in death. But as we know, He did not stay dead Death could not hold him He had paid He had paid the price Having made atonement He had disarmed death He had overcome death He had become victorious Jesus was the perfect sacrifice Who provided full payment Jesus' death was actually victory We already saw that on Friday It was good because Jesus died for us But he rose again now death was harmless to God's people. As as Paul reflected in Corinthians on, on the passages that we have looked at before. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus rose as the first of the resurrection to come. He is the first fruits. The first resurrected man who took on a resurrection body he is uh, the first one and we will follow like him the, the resurrection of Jesus is like a confirmation email you know when, when you're buying something online and you, you go through and you, you put through your payment and they say uh, "We've th- thanks for submitting your payment we'll send you a confirmation email and then there's those few moments where you're looking at your email address and your your email account and you're sitting there and you're wondering and you're waiting for that confirmation to come through did the, did the payment clear did they get it was there a, a glitch in the system where my where my order gets lost or, or or even there's that fear that maybe it was a dodgy website and they've just taken your money and run but then you get that confirmation email arrive and you know ah oh, okay payment's been received the system hasn't been broken and you start that expectant waiting for your package to arrive. The resurrection of Jesus is proof of payment. That sin has been paid for. That death has been disarmed. The goods are about to be delivered. Now we wait impatiently for the package to arrive. We, we haven't got a tracking number. But God has always delivered on his promises. We don't know when the resurrection of the dead will be, but we know that it is coming. He has gone before us to show that death is disarmed. We can face death knowing that it's not permanent for us. It's temporary state of affairs. And for those who want it, those who trust God, they can have eternal life. It will be a temporary thing. They don't need to despair of the grave The despair that Adam and Eve brought into the world was undone. Life could be eternal once again. Jesus brought light into the world once more. He has secured our hope and given us a beautiful day to look forward to. A beautiful age that never ends. Where darkness will never return. Like a glorious sunrise that introduces that warm, beautiful day. The rising of Jesus from the grave introduces that new age where light and life reign forever. And Jesus' life brought meaning to our life. His resurrection brought meaning to our life. No longer are we here just to live as good a life as possible before we fade away, to try and stay out of trouble, have a good time until we die. But we are here preparing for an eternity that is to come. We are here to help other people take hold of this eternal life that is to come. We're here to help we're here looking forward to the eternity we're here being sanctified and prepared even though we have our, our salvation secured we are still being prepared to take on that eternal weight of glory and our eternal life is not going to be one of disembodied spirits playing harps on clouds put that out of your mind Even the way that that when we die our spirit goes to God That's not our hope We don't long to, to, to go to heaven when we die We're Actually our hope and our longing is in life And an embodied life with resurrection bodies On a perfect earth that God will remake When this present age has passed And when the fullness of the day has come We will live in light with God In our bodies face to face that's our longing, that's our hope is for a beautiful eternal life, not a disembodied existence. And if you read through resurrection you read through Revelation, you get you get hints of this all throughout that the picture unfolding of what our new life and the new heavens and a new earth will look like. But I just wanted to look at one spot in Revelation chapter twenty two where John gives us a picture of what it will be like. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit. Did you hear that? The tree of life in the middle of the city, uh, straddling the river of life. The tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit Yielding its fruit each month The leaves of the tree Were for the healing of the nations No longer will there be anything accursed But the throne of God and the Lamb Will be in it And his servants will worship him They will see his face And his name will be on their foreheads And the night will be no more They will need no light Or lamp Or sun For the Lord God will be their light And he will reign forever and ever. There is our hope. There is what we are looking forward to. There is our longing that was secured for us in the death and the resurrection of Christ. Us being able to live face to face to God and partake of the tree of life once again. We long for what what joy to the world, uh, that song joy to the world lays out for us. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Because Christ, rising from the dead, heralds a new age, where the kingdom of God is established forever, where darkness is banished, where death is undone, where sin is conquered. So, where does that leave us? What do we do here and now? Because the dawn has come, with the rising of Christ, heralding this new age, but we are not yet in the fullness of what is to come, standing face to face to God in our resurrection bodies. We're still in the in-between, the now and the not yet. We find ourselves best as the prayers of Psalm 16. We can echo the prayer of David this prayer of David, which, which very fittingly uh, matches the prayer of Christ, as he was the Holy One who was not um, abandoned to the grave, who did not see corruption. But we are the Holy Ones, the saints, that come with him, behind him. He is our King who goes before us, who has secured this resurrection life. And now we, as the people of God, we trust and follow in his footsteps our hearts are glad and our whole being rejoices and our flesh dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to sheol or let your holy one see corruption you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore we long for the day when we get to live in that in that real in that reality with real bodies with our resurrection Christ now Christ has secured it he is our sure and steadfast hope our anchor with God and he will bring his people to live with God and that means that we can live with certainty here and now the confirmation email has come through the delivery is on its way the package is coming, the blessings and the pleasures forevermore but we don't get to taste the fullness just yet we're living now with the vestiges of of sin and death in the world but we don't need to despair e- even if uh, this virus comes across the earth and ravages the church with many people dying we don't need to despair because we have a hope that goes beyond death we don't need to fear death even if another natural disaster comes our way even if we catch a disease or a, um, or a sickness, even if we're have an accident that brings our life to an abrupt end, we don't need to despair because we have a sure and steadfast hope anchored with Christ. He has shown us that that death has been overcome, and we can look forward to that day when we will join him and and we will partake of the tree of life once again. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Christ rose from the dead, that That life is now available. Eternal life is open to all who would call on the name of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that the debt has been paid. And we thank you, Lord, that we can grasp, we can take hold of that. That we don't need to fear that we will be abandoned in the grave. We will not see corruption because we will see you face to face in our resurrection bodies. Lord, help us to rest in this and and to cast off all despair and all doubt. Because we can see in the resurrection of Christ the first fruits we can see the confirmation that death has been disarmed Lord we thank you that the death is disarmed we thank you that you have taken away our sin, taken away our guilt and that we will be able to see you face to face and live we thank you Lord that we we can really hope we can really look forward to the fullness of joy and being at your right hand with pleasures forevermore. We thank you and we praise you, our Lord God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.